0: Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi, guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. My guest today is Alberto Nunez. He is one of the coaches at 3DMJ. Uh, You heard Eric Helms on the podcast, I want to say a couple months ago now, Uh, one of the natural bodybuilding uh, brands that I really like a lot. Guys, a lot really like to follow online, very knowledgeable. And the part I like most about your guys' message is you talk a lot about how bodybuilding extends to your everyday life and how a lot of the lessons that you learn and a lot of the discipline that you develop translates into your everyday life. So Alberto, as I understand it, uh, you've been competing in bodybuilding since about 2007. So if you want to kind of add on anything you think is relevant to that, Um, how long have you been with 3DMJ, Uh, anything you feel like is relevant for this discussion today?
1: Man, uh, let's see. So I've been lifting for 21 years now, right? So and the dad joke there is hey, like my lifting's old enough to drink, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's it's just very second nature at this point. But um, it certainly wasn't always that way. Um, it kind of played the backseat to you know other sports that were a bit more of a priority. But you know, eventually, I think most sports uh, end at a certain point unless you're one of the fortunate few. And uh, there was bodybuilding all alone. And I think it was uh, Lane Norton, mm-hmm. who we were both on the teambodybuilding.com message boards. Uh, and I remember him going through his prep. And I remember just starting with like 20 weeks out. And then I'm like, okay, let's let's see. Let's see where this goes. And then, you know, the 16 weeks out picks will come up. And, and I just kind of fell in love with the process. And I thought it was really gnarly how someone could pre plan that it was so intriguing to me I found that you know because most people it's like yeah, hey, i have this goal like i have that goal but most people don't make it unfortunately mm-hmm. we'll get into some of the reasons just perhaps why that is but but that just i'm like i want to do that i at least want to do that once and mm-hmm. it sucked me in man and it hasn't let go since and we're still here man
0: yeah and that's exactly why i love bodybuilding for myself like i told you i have kind of gone back and forth on whether doing an actual competition is something I'll I'll get into or not. But I think just in your day to day, not even day to day, but month to month, year to year life, it just makes so much sense. It makes sense to me that you have these sustained periods of bulking, building up muscle, and then cutting, getting leaner for, you know, obviously a show or just like the summer or whatever it is that you want to look lean for. It just seems to make so much more sense in the, you know just in in a lifestyle that you can work it in sometimes you're eating more sometimes you're training to gain muscle it keeps you interested and engaged in different ways and i think that i i think that one of my goals is just to try to normalize that people should train like bodybuilders because you know mm-hmm. everybody wants to go and try to probably when they're exercising they want to maximize their physique in some way but people think that the way to get there is crossfit or high intensity or whatever and my point is always that there's an easier way to get there if you just at least take a few things from bodybuilding but i think what gets divorced is people don't understand they want to go oh you know crossfit is harder or this class i do is harder or this is hard and feels difficult so it must be better for me whereas sometimes bodybuilding you know, if you're in the middle of a long bulk, and just trying to get stronger every week, and you know, you're maybe lifting heavy and taking long rests in between sets, it can almost feel easy to some extent. So it's like kind of a a cognitive dissonance for people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, the most efficient way of, I guess, you know, changing your body composition. Mm -hmm. And efficient feels wrong, I guess, right? Because the fitness industry kind of sells us these black and white images with like that struggle face and the sweat dripping and Mm -hmm. you know you must go through something that's you know very similar to that in order to get there Uh, i think also um some people view training as something that has to be a border on i'm being masochistic you know it's Mm -hmm. almost like there's a little Mm self-hate that's thrown in there that's it's charging those workouts and it doesn't have to be that way and it's almost but once you really narrow it down to the stuff that matters, it's so simple. And actually, from a time perspective, it's decently friendly, I'd say. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So what would you say are some of the biggest differences? What do you say? Like, Because when I think of that era, when you talk about like bodybuilding.com forums, stuff of that nature, that's where I got my start into just kind of figuring out what is bodybuilding? How do I go about doing this? And it seemed like it was a lot more of the popular just masochism just really trying to bust your balls going all out and it was like these people had the secrets and you had to follow things exactly would you say that that's changed a lot and your own mindset around that has changed a lot since you started
1: you know it's hard for me to say because i'm now on the producer side strictly so Mm -hmm. i'm not out there consuming maybe as much content as as someone who is just getting into this Mm -hmm. but i will say that now it's the, it's a lot easier to get into because, you know, do you even lift is is something that you can tell someone in the street and Mm they've kind of get the ha ha behind that. Right. So it's, it's much more popular. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's a positive thing. Now the issue is that, you know, day one, someone's starting today, right. They, they, they start looking through the fitness pages on the gram Mm -hmm. and what they are up against is it's 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 terrible you know um because you know like you want to just naturally go look at the people who maybe look the part um or or maybe some sort of information that kind of resonates with you at a emotional level you know i think back to those animal pack ads when i was kind of in that like masochistic nobody understands mm-hmm. me i'm a bodybuilder i'm kind of better than everyone else uh sort of period in my life and those ads spoke to me mm-hmm. you know So it's great that I think more people than ever have an interest in it, but because the market kind of understands that the issue is that everyone's in there trying to, you know, make a buck out of these, uh, these, uh, new folks and it can take most folks a few years before they actually make it to the sensible, uh, sector of the fitness industry.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I had to come around to understand more too, because Essentially, my story in a nutshell is spent a long time just kind of trying to do everything perfect, which I think a lot of people can resonate with. Mm. And like I said, starting to lift around 15 was it would have been around 2010 or so when bodybuilding forums were very much still popular. And so I would see these things. They would be talking about intro workout carbs. They'd be talking about you know, just all the things that bodybuilders really probably are focusing on, but they're in the top one, 2% of people out there as as far as trying to maximize their physique. And so I wish that if, I guess, I guess it's hard to wish anything just because like all the experience that I've had has led me to wanting to help people now. But I think if I could go back and just give myself one piece of advice, or if I had to give like a 14 or 15 year old kid, one piece of advice, I'd just be like, you know, eat plenty of food, whatever you eat, you know, whether you're family's cooking you dinner you're eating at school or whatever eat plenty of food try to eat foods with protein and just try to get stronger over time and for a year or two or more that's going to take you a long way and what people probably what probably gets people confused is when you listen to someone who is a competitive bodybuilder and looks how you want to look the things that they're talking about may be important if you've come 70 80 90 percent of the way and, but if you haven't, it's kind of like you're missing the force for the trees in a sense. What would you tell someone if you just, you know, either like a young kid or just someone who's like, I want to get into lifting weights. I want to get into bodybuilding. How, how should I start out?
1: You know, I made the comparison earlier uh, about a week ago on my um, journal that I have on my YouTube channel that when you are out of shape or you're, you're not, you haven't not a whole lot of the strength training adaptations have occurred in your body. It's very similar to just being pale, right? And Mm -hmm. you want a tan, right? That's the adaptation you want, right? You're not going to go in there and like bake yourself for like 20 minutes in that tanning bed day one. right? Mm -hmm. The good news is that when you are starting, it does not take a whole lot. Uh, I think most folks can make sensational progress uh, by simply just including fruits and vegetables with protein in three to four meals a day, Mm -hmm. along with training three days a week with a program that is super sensible. I think if most people just have that as their general checklist, uh, a year from now, they would find themselves in a totally different place. Uh, Unfortunately, that doesn't sell a whole lot of, uh, you know, like products and supplements, Mm -hmm. Um, but it really is that simple. It's like the you are to this the less perfection actually matters the less like you said the details actually matter Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i don't i don't know how familiar you are with mike matthews but he was like his book bigger leaner stronger was one of the books that really opened my eyes and it's funny because he's he said something similar to that before he's like it's not sexy to just say uh you know, eat relatively healthy work out at least two or three times per week and do that just week after week after week. And you're going to be in phenomenal shape. But that doesn't, that doesn't spark people. That doesn't inspire people. It's like, what, that's all it takes. Like it can't be, they, they almost don't want to believe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, at some point you probably can need more and, and maybe sweat a few other details, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a while. I, I'd say that honestly, the first three years, you would go pretty darn far if you're just solely focusing on that and even even if you're not necessarily super let's just say so long as you're not like really overweight to the point where it is um, a health issue um probably not even focusing on fat loss and just focusing on on those on those variables we just mentioned is going to be more than plenty Mm -hmm. Uh, i've actually seen this with uh, my mother who she she moved in with me about four or five years ago and where she is today versus four or five years ago is a just very it's very different and it's been literally just that it's like she goes in she does her three movements uh and mind you she wasn't she didn't really train with weights until she was in her mid-50s mm-hmm. um eats protein every time you know it's time to eat and it's like we've reverse aged over the mm-hmm. last few years so um yeah. Yeah, no it's 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 incredible how adaptive your body is and how it does respond very well. Everyone's does to mm-hmm.
0: stimuli. Yeah, it's it's cool how you mentioned that. It seems like a lot of people that um you know are in this sort of space are trying to help people with fitness and nutrition. A lot of times their parents came up and there was even more misinformation than we have now because at least if you sift through the right information there's there's enough mm-hmm. of it online that you can go and get the good information, but back then it was it was even Fewer and far between as far as good information. Yes. And I remember you you talked about Lane Norton. Something that comes to mind is I watched a handful of his YouTube's podcasts and stuff like that, seen him on Instagram. And he made the comment that his dad uh, made a big transformation. And he goes, all, all I did was I just told him, cut all your portions in half or cut a fourth out of all your portions or something like that. And because people just don't understand how much these small changes can make an impact over time. So I always love to hear, you know, my parents will sometimes ask for advice and it's always nice to try to help people along that, you know, obviously most of our parents are out of the age or interest that they'd want to do bodybuilding, but anybody can benefit, I think, from doing a few weightlifting movements, eating a little bit high, more of a high protein diet and stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's confusing to people when, you know, those are the recommendations. The interventions mm-hmm. are quite simple. And they depend more so on consistency over time. But I mean, when you think about it, it's like all the bad habits that got you to a certain place, they kind of work the same way. Mm-hmm. Right? They were, it was a slow progression of these little things you do that before you know it, you're like, I, I, can't, even, I can't shake this off. Um, mm-hmm. And the good news is that when it comes to the good habits that are going to have a huge impact on your body composition, it kind of works the same way. And that's why I think minimizing that checklist is so important mm-hmm. because before you know it, it just becomes second nature. Like I look at this, all the stuff I do now in order to progress. And I'm like, man, th- that would be crazy to most folks, but it, there's, they're basically habits. I don't feel disciplined. It, it's, it's just something there's a resistance. There, there's no resistance to, you know, get up and go to the gym for the fifth time this week to, mm-hmm. you know, get up and go have that fifth meal. Um, it's but it was a slow creepy crawl to get to that point and i remember starting out and i remember when three days a week of strength training was brutally hard for me
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's uh like something i've thought a lot about ever since eric helms was on my podcast like i said probably march or february he's he talked about unconscious competence and how you kind of move from when you start out you have i might butcher this a little bit but it's like you have unconscious, incompetence, and then you move into conscious incompetence, and then you move into conscious competence. And then eventually, the place you want to get to is unconscious competence, where you do all these things that you're supposed to do, just because you've built it into your lifestyle. And I was talking to another friend, Austin, on the podcast recently, and we just both kind of traded notes on how like we wouldn't necessarily articulate it throughout the course of a day, but you know how to just kind of fill in more protein if you haven't eaten enough throughout the day and your, your mind just kind of works like that and it's not something that you think oh I got to include more protein in this meal, but if I spent the day exercising more, or I just for some reason had lower protein meals, maybe I double up on chicken and it's something as simple as that, but just knowing that. You know, I could forget that and it's not going to kill me. But because every single day I'm focused on just trying to make the best out of every situation and filling in the gaps, that's what's going to get you there in the long term.
1: And the long term word, that's that's the hard buy in there, right? Mm -hmm. Because ideally this, this shouldn't be just a quick fix for like that high school reunion that's coming up Mm -hmm. or, or that wedding or that vacation. It should be something that is just part of your life now. Um but I mean, long term, like right now I you know, where I am now after twenty seven years of training, I'd say if I just did the things we mentioned, I was training three days a week and I was eating the way uh, I described earlier, I think I'd have about eighty percent of what I have, which mm-hmm. is a pretty sweet deal. And it would just kind of happen in the background, like mm-hmm. I mean in terms of training, it'd be it'd probably be like two to two and a half hours a week that I'm getting in, you know? So it's, it's like, you know, again, like just, just as impressive as some bad habits can be when you're like, I'm just, I'm just embedded to this situation at this point. The same thing goes with the good stuff. And it's crazy. Three or four years in of just doing this stuff, 80, 90% of the time, because um, we don't want perfection. So like uh, people will draw, like, just quit if they had an 80% day, mm-hmm. week or month, When it's like, it's like you still got 80% like that is still don't drop everything because Mm -hmm. you know that like final 20%. But you know, you you keep it up that way for three or four years 80 90% on most days, weeks, months, um, before you know it, you're just you're not going to know any other way of of acting out, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Mm
0: hmm. So going into something I said, I want to talk a little about more specifically. So you are in sort of an extended bulk right now, as I understand it. So I'm curious about Mm -hmm. something that I've wondered a lot is the clients I get are usually probably going to be intermediate lifters. There's some beginners, there's some who are a little bit further along um, than intermediate, but I always kind of battle with you know guys especially have this idea that I want to go into a bulk and maybe they do understand a calorie surplus and that's great but I think a lot of times where if you're just talking about the average gym goer a lot of guys you'll see like over 15 to 20% body fat will be talking about bulking and and you know eat big get big that sort of mentality that we've heard before and for you like where do you draw the line between having to bulk and someone just having to maybe flip the switch where okay, we have to get you lean enough that that's even required. And if you were just to train someone, say off the street, how would you gauge, like, is there kind of a pinpoint that you go for if you're below? You know, a lot of times you'll hear in the evidence-based space, like below 15% body fat or 12 or 13% you can bulk. But how do you think about that in terms of just the average person or even someone who is more advanced needing that strong calorie surplus and needing that to be a focus? Or just can we get stronger... Um, just without even having to focus on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk about the detrained per- like the untrained person, right? I think in their case, um, honestly it's it's one of those uh situations that f- fits in the yeah, into the boxes where hey, you, you can't actually lose fat and gain and gain muscle at the same time. You know. So I think you just bank on that. Um so that person like it's pretty simple if someone is new to weight training you know and and you know it's a female with thirty five percent body fat uh or or a male that's twenty five percent body fat, it's like guess what we're not gonna focus on fat loss at the very least, mm-hmm. you know? um and your weight might trend up a little bit over time, but you're gonna see your pants fit differently a few months from now mm-hmm. so so those ones very straightforward uh i I think where um it can get a little bit more complicated is uh yeah. Say intermediate, early, advanced, somewhere around there. Because usually, if you're deep into the advanced, it's like you know what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you made enough right decisions to to get yourself there. But intermediate to early, advanced, um, you know, in, in those cases, I think I would probably there probably is a higher end to a cap when it comes to body fat levels, and I'd probably put that you know, twenty five percent for men. You can probably add ten percent. So, you know all figures when we're speaking about women. Um, and that, that's probably going to be uh, the high end. Um, so in those situations, it's like, yeah, let's give ourselves some space, some wiggle room so that we can actually um, gain. Um, outside of that situation, uh, honestly, I think with most people, when it comes to bulking, say we are ready and it's, it's we both, both parties have agreed it's the best decision. I am okay with slightly fibbing to some of my athletes in some way to some extent where it's like, okay, what we're going to do is, is try to maintain weight because for a lot of people what ends up happening when you try to maintain weight. I mean, think about it. We wouldn't be here as humans if we didn't have this drive to kind of sort of overeat. Like most people, mm-hmm. their appetite has them gaining weight over time. And what ends up happening is it turns into a lean bulk 10 months go by and they've gained I don't know, seven to 12 pounds, you know? And that's what we're aiming for anyway. So I think for someone who's kind of new to this, who has a hard time, maybe not over bulking when they're going through a surplus, I think that's probably the best way. It's like, hey, let's try to kind of maintain weight and avoid Mm -hmm. any obvious weight loss, fat loss from happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, we can move on to like more, okay, this is more a more purposeful bulk because we do want energy bioavailability on our side more often than not. So let's purposely try to do this. And in that case, I think this is where most people go wrong when it comes to designing their gaining plan. Is it, it's like, okay, I got 10 months and I'm going to gain 10 pounds or, or like 0.5% or 1% of my body weight each month. Whatever it is, it's, it's highly restrictive. And it's very, I can't even pinpoint that. So mm-hmm. even with my own bulk is what I do is I'll pick a spot. I'm like, okay, this bulk will go for eight months and I'm going to gain anywhere between eight to 12 pounds. It can be on the lower end could be on the higher end it might be a little bit over it might be a little bit under but so long as we're between there some months will be faster than others some months will be slower than others we generally uh the weight gain is sufficient enough to the point where it's like okay it it, it surpasses the margin of error we were definitely like in the surplus there Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know i'm not sweating it like if i had a three pound gain one month you know because right around the corner there'll be one where i gain three quarters of a pound so, yeah, I kind of took you out for a loop there, but you know, mm-hmm. essentially, um, weight gain, gaining weight can be tricky. And I think anyone who's really, really sold on that, the first few times they do it, they probably folk up a little bit. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Say say that again. You they folk up?
1: Oh, uh, they they folk up, folk up like so. Yeah, uh, uh, word play for uh, they they fuck up their ball basically.
0: Oh, okay, I've never heard that before. Oh, <laughs> yeah, word. yeah a word I like that I've heard. And some people will maybe kind of take, I don't know, take offense to this, but it's like main gaining where, yeah, you might be gaining a little bit of body fat. Hopefully you're gaining a little bit of muscle, but relatively you're, you're staying the same, the same, um, composition more or less. And understanding that something I always try to tell people, especially clients that get like overly neurotic about the cut or the bulk, because I know that I've been there before. I'm like, if you talk about maintenance, and some people like I want to maintain for a handful of months, I want to maintain for the summer, or whatever, it's like, great, we can more or less do that. But again, you just talk about one of those truisms about the body, you're never strictly maintaining every single day, every single week, you're going to gain, you know, quarters of a pound of of body fat or lose it or gain muscle or lose it. So you're never completely maintaining. It's almost kind of like I, I talk about Um, like the stock market a lot you want to over time it's going to go up and down and up and down but you want to zoom far enough out that if you're maintaining if you zoom far enough out it's a flat line if you're lean bulking you zoom far enough out and it's just slightly up but you're going to have troughs and valleys dependent on your training dependent on your life and i like the idea of either like a main gain or a lean bulk too because it gives people the the room to go out and have drinks go out and go to family functions or functions with friends where there's going to be food and not have to get overly worked up about oh what's this going to do to my calories because if you just look at it from a far enough vantage point one day or one meal unless it's something that becomes a recurring thing is not going to completely take you off track no matter what your goal is
1: no exactly and the truth is those functions in life isn't ever really going to stop. So you you better learn to 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 make that a part of your bodybuilding process. Um but uh but yeah you know I think most people once they they are sold on the on the strength training and and they really give it a go, um I think the general prognosis is like where has this been all my life? Because it's actually like relatively
0: mm-hmm.
1: easy. You know I just tell uh, people like it,
0: it it just makes so much sense to me. It's like I just want to tell everybody you know, just figure out a few things about bodybuilding and do that. It's just, it seems to make so much sense because something that I also talk about a lot with clients and just about my own experience is like the people, again, if you're trying to talk about how to make it more mainstream, don't always like the words cut and bulk. But to me, the mm-hmm. cut and the bulk cycle make a lot of sense because if you just think about it psychologically, during my bulk, I'll have some of the foods that I'm craving more and have more of them. And then it's kind of to the point where if I do that for enough months, it's kind of like, oh man, I'm kind of tired of eating. I've had enough of my favorite foods. I can kind of go on a cup for a while and I'm not feeling like I'm overly restrictive versus, and especially unfortunately, this is probably more so for women, um, which like I've, I've talked to a lot of women about like body composition and stuff like that through my work. And they always have this word in mind, skinny, or they seem to have more so. And this definitely happens with guys too, but more so of like using the words bad, these foods are bad. These foods are good, but the more you understand, and this is definitely the age of it. If, if any is of like the macros and counting calories, the more you understand that, oh, none of these foods are inherently bad. You could make the argument for why some are better than choices than others, but in terms of your body composition, we don't need to call any foods bad. We don't need to call any good. Um, you can just understand that and make your choices off of that. And there's a lot of power too in understanding. Like a lot of people will gain 10 pounds and be like, well, how the hell did this happen? You know what I mean? But if you get some background in bodybuilding, even if you lose 10 pounds and it's not intentional, you can still go, oh, well, I've obviously been over consuming calories. So at least it's not a mystery why this is happening. And it's not a mystery the mechanism it's going to take to, to burn it back off.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the tools that you, you develop if you are going through these gaining and cutting phases is what we kind of failed to understand in our little circle here is it fat loss, weight loss to the average person. It's mysterious it's, mm-hmm. it's a they're afraid of gaining weight because they don't know if they're going to be able to take it off. They don't mm-hmm. know if, if uh, they think literally their body is just different to the point where you know like i guess like nothing nothing works right we don't know what works for me necessarily uh but like you said once you clear that up it it becomes (laughs) that what becomes the hardest part is is sometimes not pressing that fat loss button because it's actually i think in some ways the easier of the two options right Mm -hmm. um and and with my athletes it's something that i have to remind them as they're going through the regaining phase and maybe they've surpassed that spot where they're like you know what some of the favorite my favorite features in my physique are just kind of a little bit blurry they're not as uh, prominent anymore there's a few pants that i, I can't fit into uh, as well anymore they're not as comfortable and and i have to remind them that hey you know you unlike like most of the world um you your discipline is like don't press that fat loss button because Mm -hmm. you know how to induce fat loss very well at this point. Um, So again, if you learn to gain weight, guess what? You're also, that, that, that tool is also going to come in handy. And one of your hardest battles is going to be like not pressing that prematurely.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just always wanting to be shredded and look good in the mirror. And it's funny because I think, and again, just speaking from my own experience, people will put so much credence on like, Oh, you know, like I'm thinking this to myself or I'm telling my coach, I want to get shredded because I have this vacation to the beach or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, really, why are you doing that? I mean, yeah, it feels good for people to walk around and and look really great. And that's not something to be totally discounted. But if you're in the middle of trying to put on muscle and you are in that more advanced intermediate stage where Mm -hmm. it takes more time just to put it on and to hammer, hammer, hammer away maybe there's not much of a point to just trying to get shredded to go to the beach because, you know, you're with your family or whatever you're with a bunch of people you're never going to see again. So it's also comes down to like, it almost comes down to like one of those philosophical, why does this really matter that much to me to, to look this way in front of other people? You know,
1: it's literally like buying that um, Gucci belt. that's like half your paycheck so that you Mm -hmm. can impress strangers in a way, even though that's not necessarily the best decision for yourself Mm -hmm. in the long term. Right. Um, but yeah, like you, I get it. I get it because, you know, when I first started doing this, it's like, it was, it was pretty gnarly, you know, to, to have people recognize, you know, and, 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 to feel good about the way your body looks. But it's funny how things change over time. Like I think now more than ever, there's probably three or four years, three or four days out of the year that I'll wear a sleeveless top outside just because I don't want to deal with it. Or, or even in the gym, I'm just barely now getting used to like working out without sleeves again, just because it's it's so much more about the process and figuring things out and, and bettering myself in ways that probably, and I guess that's the good part, they don't matter really all that much to anyone else, but to me, like, they really matter. Mm. Um, so th- there is, there is as maybe you're just starting out with this and there's this, you almost feel kind of trapped and caged by your bodybuilding, even though you you, you have decided this is, best thing for me right now but there's that component where it's like i think it's if anything it's kind of reshifted uh my body image in yeah some good ways but there's also some negative things that that i was i didn't have to deal with before uh but eventually you do this long enough you kind of just you have this freedom almost where it's 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 no longer nearly as superficial as Mm -hmm. it was before and to me that's where like it really really gets fun it's like your black belt Mm-hmm. bodybuilding basically.
0: Mhm. So, kind of backtracking a little bit, another one of the questions I had when it comes to just building muscle is and maybe you don't see this as much because you feel like this is more dialed in for the type of clients that you have, but another thing that I notice about people who come to me saying they want to build muscle and they talk about a bulk or a cut, a lot of times what I just want to focus on first and foremost is let's see what kind of form you're working with with your exercises or you know obviously i I feel confident in the way that I'm gonna program, but often a big change can be you know you might put on two or three pounds of muscle because you just had this very bro lift heavy don't really care about form type mentality for a long time, and so how do you look at that too in terms of ability to put on more muscle because that's another thing that gets lost in the fact that evidence-based fitness is becoming more mainstream and that's great and you'll hear people talk about we kind of talk about why a calorie surplus might not be the answer for everybody and I also think that another one of the, the big things that we like to hammer home progressive overload that might not be what everybody needs to hear because sometimes that might just lead you to getting heavier and heavier and heavier but you never really had a full grasp on the form in the first place so how much how much focus would you say that you give to that with clients? Or maybe would you just see like in the general population of people that are trying to, to bodybuild?
1: So, you know, I think years ago, I was probably a little bit more barbell uh, in powerlifting influence when it came to um, the way I designed my programming. And, you know, it it still is a passion of mine. I love the sport. Um, But I think, especially if you're looking at someone who is newer, you want to take the path of least resistance, right? Um, So maybe instead of, you know, teaching someone's mom how to squat, it's like, Hey, let's put you on a leg press, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, or or let's find other contraptions here around the gym where stability and coordination are not going to be our limiting factor. And it's a lot more straightforward to progress with. Um, and, And usually with that, I think a lot of other things kind of take care of themselves with, newer folks and and, and selling them on the progressive overload, uh, which cures a lot of things uh, body image wise. And I'll I'll swing back to that and pick that up. But once people start to get stronger, uh, because a lot of people see strength and, 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 you know, lifting weights is something that it's, it's just a trait you have. Like there's strong people and then there's weak people. And yes, to some extent, some people are naturally stronger than others. But once people see that, hey, they too can gain strength. And eventually they will do a few things that they didn't even know those things when the cards for them, it becomes addicting. It becomes empowering. And I, I think also for the new lifter who found themselves in because, Hey, the fitness industry sells you the whole, like, Hey, you're ugly, but we can help you out sort of deal. Now their body becomes something more than just that. It has value outside of just the way it, it looks at them. They appreciate what, it, what they can do for a lot of people for the first time ever in their life. Um, So with a noob, it's more so, I guess that way. And then eventually you'll see, they'll kind of ask you, Hey, how about the squat thing I see people do, you know? Um, And and now that you have someone who performs squat patterns regularly, who, um, who is motivated to to pick up a skill that is very niche in some ways to barbell squat, then it's like, Hey, okay, you know what? Yeah. We'll let go of the the leg press and that 45 degree back extension. And we're going to go spend some time on the squat. And, uh, and and make some use out of that thing um with a more intermediate slash uh, early advanced type of athlete i think just the biggest issue i see because you know at this point they're already kind of doing their thing um and you know they found some success but you know it's just quite natural that like all of us right we we was like can we do something a little better and i'd see the biggest issue with them is if you want to progress at that point, I think you, you need to have a about a fundamental understanding of anatomy, the muscles, their functions, um, and what movements are best for for those those muscles. Because the way a lot of people get by, especially the highly motivated crowd that A, they have no issue being at the gym four, or five, six, uh, sometimes even seven, which no one no no one should do, um, mm-hmm. times a week, right? is that they compensate for the lack of knowing what they're aiming for with just throwing as many darts as possible, you yeah. know? Whereas when you're very efficient, it's like, okay, I can get the same number of bullseyes as you, but I'm going to use half the darts. Yeah. And as you know, over the long term, there's some huge advantages to that, mostly in that it's going to make your 30s, 40s, and 50s and beyond way more progressive than they would have been otherwise. Um, so, um, So, yeah, learning to yeah, just be a little bit more precise, uh, a little bit more efficient with your training, I think is the key for a lot of people Mm -hmm. when it comes to unlocking that next level.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's why for me, like with my content, I spend equal amount of time saying, this is what's important. If you want to build muscle, progressive overload, if you want to lose fat, we're going to be in a calorie deficit, blah, 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 that sort of basic stuff. But I also spend plenty of time just saying, here's how to get better at your squat, your deadlift, your bench press, because I, I see people in my gym and looking back at myself, it's like, even if someone could have told me, like I said, in a calorie deficit uh, in a calorie surplus rather, and overload your squat, because my squat was so backwards, it wouldn't have helped that much. It, it had to kind of be one of those things where I checked my ego and stepped back to really see, okay, am I doing this form right? I always tell people, you know, I watch tons of, uh, Alan Thrall. Like back in like 2016, 2017, just to learn how to really get these movements down. And I've seen different gyms, and I've observed the uh, you know different trainers and stuff where a lot of the times, especially with older people, it's just that focus on are we doing this safely? Because kind of like you talked about in your old age, if you want to account for longevity, look at somebody like Ronnie Coleman. You know, he was he was squatting and benching and deadlifting six, seven, eight hundred pounds of weight but it eventually wore down his body to such an extent. So obviously that's an extreme example, but you have to think about if this is going to be something you're going to do for a long time, how can I do it safely and sustainably?
1: No, absolutely. Because the cool thing about this is it, uh, unlike how a lot of us are told, because I remember when I was like in my early twenties, I used to have every dude that was 30, 40 and 50 come up to me and be like, when you get to be my age, you know, this, this and that. And Oh, I, I, even then i told myself no 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 i i I need to be different i want to be different it can't be that way uh and truth behold is like this with this thing it's like hey i know a lot of 40 50 year olds that didn't start training until their late 30s and they're in phenomenal shape because hey guess what your body still kind of works that way you know it's kind of kind of like i don't care if you're 60 you can still get a tan right you go outside you expose yourself to that uh that, that stimuli, guess what? Your body will adapt. Same thing with weight training. You know, it might, there might be a few things you have to take into account. There might be a little bit less margin of, of error there, but you can progress with this thing for a long, long time. Actually, uh, one of my heroes, I think this was back in 2014, I got to be up on stage with him and he kicked my butt. I was, I think, 31. He was 55 years old. Wow. Uh, he got first and I got third in the lightweight class. Uh, and he unanimously spanked me. And that was, to me, I was like, wow, that's awesome. I can't wait to be in my mid-50s in Spain. Who is in, this? In uh, Marshall Johnson. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He retired for 10 years, too. So he there was this gap where he was, he, he went away, and then he came back and uh, just started kicking butt all of a sudden. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you talk about progression and figuring out, like, like I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about the lifts that fit certain people for certain body types or focuses i'm curious how you go about programming for you know say we we're doing a back day and someone Mm -hmm. likes a really specific back movement handle machine or whatever it is do you find that progression is a little bit harder the more specific you make a movement so like for example say that someone kind of gets like one specific handle or one specific angle or range of motion or something that's very unique and it's kind of hard to, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like repeat, how do you program progressive overload on something like that? Where like, oh, I really love this angle or this grip or whatever, but I don't know if I'm progressing because it can seem like it's so different every time. Like for me, something that jumps to mind is I've never focused a ton on progressively overloading my lateral raise because I'm focused so much on just getting a good stimulus. Because I know that in the past I've brought in the back, the upper back, uh, the traps and stuff like that. And so now, so now it's more so just focusing on how do I really isolate the delt and get a good pump there and get good form. So how do you go about progressing those lifts that are a lot more nuanced like that?
1: Well, first of all, just when to comes to, uh, I know this wasn't necessarily the question, but just in case this, cause it did pop into my head and then it went away. Um, and it might be the case for someone listening. Um, sometimes people will pick movements uh, a little bit too much, like based off just pure sensation. Like mm-hmm. we've seen this with the guy, kind of going across his chest on the chest press machine, uh, the 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 girl kind of sideways on the leg press, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing about sensation is it can be quite tricky, you know. Um, I've always kind of gone back and forth with this, but then recently, my buddy, he lives right down the street, actually, Casim. Uh, he uh, just whiz when it comes to biomechanics. Oh he, yeah, 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 I yeah. See. yeah. Yeah, he uh he 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 confirmed and confirmed it really well that yeah, you know, more than anything it's like hey, what is the action of this muscle and 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 if you are uh, basically loading it in a way that makes that exact function um do its thing then you're going to be good. A good example of this is like say if we were squeezing hands like this, right? Like mm-hmm. this is probably with the straight wrist the way that I can probably squeeze the hardest, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if I were to twist my wrist back and then now now try to squeeze, it feels like there's something working in there. Like something's being really just, something's going on, but I cannot produce nearly as much yeah. force. So just because you know? it's
0: harder doesn't necessarily mean that it's more effective.
1: Or or you feel it. Cause sometimes like mm-hmm. the crampy, weird feelings that, that people associate with a mind muscle connection, they're kind of fibbing to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but but let's assume that's all out of the way. We 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 know exactly where uh, we should be aiming um when it comes to a, a lot of i think especially single joint movements a lot of the progressions are going to be uh have to do more with with trends you know maybe with your 20 pound lateral raises it's like, hey, i'm, I'm seeing more tens across the board over the course of two months to 10 rep sets uh than i was uh four or five months ago um other things like perceived effort, um, I think are, are also valuable, you know, adding things like pauses at the top, pauses at the bottom, uh, that that sort of deal. But then also, I think because they are single joint movements, they can wear you out after a while. So I think having some cruisy points where you're kind of doing the bare minimum with those is uh, is probably a little bit more important than with multi, multi-joint movements where you can kind of cycle through a few that are say your favorite squat patterns, but like a lateral raise, it's like, I don't have a whole lot of different options there. Right. Um, So with, with ISOs, I think that's probably the best way. And I think also of course, adding reps as opposed to adding load, you know, one Mm -hmm. of my favorite progression schemes is the 12 to 20 where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, guess what, this is going to be your dumbbell for a while on that lateral raise. So like, don't even look at anything else. This is where you're going to be for the next four or five months. Um, So that's, with ISOs, that's, that's probably my favorite way of doing it with, um, with the more robust um, um, uh, multiple joint movements. It's usually um, it's, it's a lot more straightforward, like right. for sure. Right. Cause we're using big loads. So it's like, Hey, you can a 2% increment, 3% increment on a leg press is actually quite a bit, you know, mm-hmm. after a while. So it's a lot easier to work and manage that way. And then of course I do think you should probably have like three movements like, they fit the criteria of, say, a squat pattern, a hip yeah. range. And I do think cycling those um, for the sake of uh, joint integrity is something that is is quite advantageous. You can stick with it for prolonged periods of time, but eventually I think you just get more um, – uh, you avoid injury a lot more this that way, which is one of the things that will halt your progression unlike anything else. Uh, and not only that, but it keeps things from being uh, too stale. But I will say this with progression schemes – a big part of it is kind of, especially with the more experienced guys, is like what, let's do something fun, something that would keep mm-hmm. you interested. Like uh, back in the day I used to do something called the 50 rep challenge, where uh, I wouldn't move up to the next increment until I could get 50 reps with set load over four sets. And to me, that was fun, you know? And, you know, it's like, I, I'm like, oh, it was 48 today. We'll get it. We'll yeah. get it. We'll get but it. Keeping mentally um,
0: engaged is something that can't be discounted yeah. either. Like that's, that's super important as well.
1: Yeah, because like when we want a certain metric, like maybe you want, you know, to hit five reps on your 315 squat, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, once you're, you, once you're repping 315 with good form, it's like you're a pretty freaking strong dude. You're stronger than like 99% of people at mm-hmm. that point, right? Like, like, you know, it's that that keeps you interested is the fact that it's, it's this specific sequence and thing. Um, so I think the same thing with, with, you know, other goals, even if it's your lateral raises, it's like, hey, you know, like throwing a little AMRAP set, a drop set with like half the load at the end like every four weeks or something like that and see if you can beat that mm-hmm. like uh you know you you got to keep it fun and fresh for sure mm-hmm. i don't i don't care how bottom line orientated you are i think i'm very bottom line orientated but i every few weeks i need like my puke set on a like leg press which is it's just like you know what let's just see what we can take and mm-hmm. and and yeah so
0: yeah i think important. the other thing when you just talk about pure interest in bodybuilding the thing that keeps me engaged is like there's so many different goals that you can have so I think it's really helpful sometimes to focus just on strength but then it's really helpful sometimes just to focus on like if I'm it's like rear delts or something I've worked on um before because I realized that I never focused on that very much in the past so it was like okay I'm gonna do rear delt raises a couple times per week and then maybe a year from now in a progress picture I can see the difference there or you can have a goal that 's more like you know going back to squat i 'm squatting two ninety five right now I want to squat three fifteen in three months so you know there's goals over one year, two years multiple years there's goals over you know a month there's strength goals there's weight goals there's just like strictly you can look at your composition or the size of a muscle there's just for me it's just I, I almost have that like ADhd brain so it 's fun to you can you can you can go too far with this we are switching mm-hmm. focus too often. But I think it's fun to me how many different areas there are to focus on. And you're still focused on the same goal progressing over time.
1: And see this, this phase that you just spoke about is where this is where I think a lot of bodybuilders sell themselves short. A lot of gym rats sell themselves short. Cause you know, they get to the point where it's like, this is just what they do. Mm-hmm. And they, they almost think they're like more disciplined and better than everyone else because you know, I take care of my business every day, but it's like, you know, at this point it's, it's, you've accomplished enough goals and this is such a lifestyle that this is just second nature to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think the big mistake here is where you don't take those goals or, or that way of thinking and apply it to other things. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what? I've been slacking on my reading. I I told myself last year that I was going to read more and I haven't. Um, and that's when you set up these little goals and just like, you know, people do the same thing with their calves, with their arms Uh, It's like, hey, you can do the same thing with that, like, outside of the gym and, like, nail those things in the butt that Mm -hmm. you've been meaning to. Um, And it's humbling, too, because you – it reminds you of what that initial resistance was when you first started weightlifting. Where It was hard to peel yourself off the couch and get yourself there. Um, So that's my favorite part about this. It's just, like, it it builds confidence when it comes to goal setting, pursuing that, creating a plan. Sometimes you fail, but it's like, hey, you know, that's part of trying. Uh, And and having – the awareness to take that skill and that mindset and apply it to like whatever else you might be pursuing in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. It's like, I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've done things before to where I want to grow my calves over the course of this year. And it's like, if I do three sets of calves four times a week, it might not seem like they're getting bigger week by week, but just like if I read five pages of a book, you know, four mm-hmm. times a week, I'm not going to see that bookmark. I'm not hardly going to be able to tell that it's moving day after day, week after week, yes. but a year from now, Maybe I've read a book, maybe I've read two or three books. And, you know, if you're, that's why it's important. I think also I'm always having my clients and myself take progress pictures because it can be, especially as you become intermediate and advanced, so non-noticeable that it can almost be demotivating. And so you have to understand that progress is happening, but it's small. So if you want to stay motivated for someone like me who is process or who is somewhat outcome oriented and that's kind of how I stick to the process. I think you have to show yourself that the results are coming in some way to stay in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, one of the reasons that I like to train cupboard up more often than not is because in a few months go by and I'm like, all right, look, this pump seems pretty good. Let's see what it looks like. And then you mm-hmm. appreciate what you have done. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, Oh, like talk about learning to be objective. This, this sport will teach you because your body never leaves you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um it's it's always there and if you're not careful you're gonna go into every time you go to the bathroom you're gonna flex something so Mm -hmm. um that's that's the best part man it's 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 tricky it's hard there's some humps to overcome but once you do it it's amazing what this this teaches you
0: yeah and i think that like for me i have the predisposition to kind of you could definitely call it overthinking, but philosophizing, intellectualizing. And I think that's why bodybuilding works so well for me, because there's just so much to it. Practicing your objective thinking is something that you can take into the workplace, something you can take into relationships. And at the end of the day, another one of the things that I think is most defines my personality is like, I'm about results. So if someone is doing a workout program, I want to know why exactly and try to articulate why exactly that's working. And same thing with results in work with results in, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to get better at. I golf too. And so like, if someone's telling me that they do this certain drill, i want to know okay why exactly is that making you better you know and some people you know the opposite of me is probably someone who's just like more intuitive and is like i don't know i just do these things i like to do these things i know i'm getting better over time that's not really the point but for someone who has a very active mind bodybuilding is fun in that way
1: it's such a nerd sport and Mm -hmm. you wouldn't think of it because you know that 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 classic term right uh meathead right Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah, it, it attracts, uh, very analytical people for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So I know we're running up on our hour here. Um, do you have any parting thoughts, anything that, that you thought of that you wanted to make sure we get to
1: so many things floating, right? Um, we've covered
0: quite a, a bit. My prompt would just be, what advice would you have to someone who's hearing all this information and they're like, how do I make this actionable? Cause I'm always talking about pragmatism and how to take this away to your life. So, how would you kind of sum up a few of the key points that you or I have made through the course of this?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, are you familiar with the marshmallow test with the kids? You know. Uh, yeah. They, mm-hmm. Right, right, They're, right, uh, right.
0: Yeah. If you, you can have two if you wait, or you can have one now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, obviously super easy to repeat. So, you know, they've repeated it many times. And, and mm-hmm. the same stuff, right? The same stuff is like the kids were able to wait. They generally did better in life, right? Um, and I think that is probably – the most useful thing i've been able to get for my bodybuilding and uh, you know it involves a lot of decisions at the micro level with that say i'm dieting and it's like man i really i want another bowl of cereal right um or at a slightly more i guess macro level it's like hey you know what i'm gonna take this year-long gaining phase and i might not look better uh over the course of of <laughs> uh, you know at least the the in an immediate sense i probably will not look better right but it's 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 going to put me in a better place in, in, in the long run. So I think, um, you know, a, a lot of us uh, we're kind of naturally that kid that just grabbed the marshmallow as soon as, <laughs> as soon as he was left unsupervised in the room, mm-hmm. right? And I think this that's probably the best thing about the sport is that it's just it uh, it teaches you how to get yourself to make decisions that are better for you in the long term, and I think that's probably. One of the reasons that I'm so pro bulk, so pro gaining, because it's 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 the hardest one for people, even people who know better, to really really commit and trust. Because yeah, it's like you're gonna have to put away your abs for you know a few months. Um, so so yeah, um, I'd say that's that's to me when it comes to bodybuilding, it's it gets bodybuilding, but at the same time, it's like I guess your brain is part of your body, right? Mm -hmm. So you are technically building everything as, as you go through this. So I'd I'd say, I tell the listeners to, you know, like just keep a, uh, be attentive with yourself and your actions uh, and, and and how you behave because there's a lot of things in bodybuilding that will really, really expose that uh, Mm -hmm. to you and you'll have a better handle on yourself and, be able to navigate yourself better through life and make better decisions, uh, and this is one of the reasons for like dudes like you who just have like the, like like this is automatic to you, like mm-hmm. this is like you have it under control. It's like why I'd be like, hey, you need a prep at some point because what it's going to do is everything I just spoke, like like nothing will bring that out of you, like being like a type of hungry and a type of primal state yeah. that if you live in a developed country, you just you'll never in your life get to really uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, man, bodybuilding is more than just bodybuilding. That's, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get to. And, and I think, uh, and take full advantage of it.
0: Yeah. There's a quote that it reminds me of, uh, by Richard Feynman, where he says, I think it goes, try not to fool yourself, but you're the easiest person to fool. So it's like, that's, again, it speaks to the objectivity of bodybuilding It's like, this is supposed to work, but unless you're doing some sort of tracking, whether it be pictures Wait, maybe you have something more like a DEXA scan at your gym or whatever, try to figure out if it really is working and how you can figure that out. Because just again, like the guy who, oh, this feels great on my chest, but it, it's, it's just, you know, an uncomfortability. It's stuff mm-hmm. like that, that don't fool yourself. Make sure that this process that you're doing, you're, you're grinding it out and you're sticking to it, but there's actually a methodology behind it that is factual and rational in some way.
1: Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all need systems to succeed, right? Some sort of mm-hmm. system in place, and once you've kind of realize what kind of system works best when it comes to keeping you under control, man, that's when you're you're absolutely thriving. Because yeah, analytical dudes like you and me, that's like, the thing we can convince ourselves to like do just about anything. Give us enough mm-hmm. time and headspace, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah. For sure. get yourself a system, man.
0: All right. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it, Alberto, for coming on. And um, I'll link to where people can find you online. Um, But until next time, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you soon. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.